everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dribble Podcast. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian Newspaper, taking you through another season of talking to guests from the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA Basketball in general to give you the best insight possible into what's happening in the sport throughout this state. In this week's episode, we'll be talking to Perth Wildcats Associate Head Coach Mike Kelly ahead of the annual pink game at RAC Arena on Thursday. Plus, Perth Lynx star Lauren Scherf will explain how on earth she's gone from being a traditional centre to one of the WNBL's most versatile players. But firstly, it is a massive week for the Wildcats. Their annual pink game is a great occasion and it raises thousands of dollars for Breast Cancer Care WA. It's also a huge week for them to be back on court given they've won their last two games and can get into a positive win-loss column with a win over Adelaide. The Wildcats associate head coach Mike Kelly will play a big part in all of that and he's with us on the phone. Mike, welcome to the Drill Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. As I mentioned, it's a huge week for the club. Oh, what will it mean to walk out onto RAC Arena to see it pink instead of red? Yeah, very special. Uh, you know, in all the years uh, that it's that it's happened, whether I was with the Wildcats or with another team, you see that. And uh, just just the, uh, I guess, the notoriety it brings and the, uh, the media attention and just the, uh, the attention to uh, breast cancer awareness is is just a great thing. So to be a part of it is special, and uh, I think all of us have been touched uh, by breast cancer um, through our mothers or um, someone we love, and uh, and so it's just a, a great thing that the Wildcats are doing, and uh, great to partner up with breast Can- cancer awareness. So as you said, it touches everyone. My my mother in law is a survivor, so it certainly touched our family. Um, has it been through your family? Has, has someone you know really close who's, who's had to uh, endure going fighting breast cancer? Yes, I mean my mom's gone through it. Um, it was a long time ago now, and thankfully she's she's healthy. And uh, you know we had uh, people in. Uh, one was someone who's dealing with breast cancer now. One of the people and uh, um, people from the uh, from the cancer council and that's been uh they they said early detection is the the biggest uh saving grace you know so if you can get to it early and and i think the awareness of that is is important and uh so i was very fortunate that uh that my mom was uh got to it early so yeah has has touched us it always feels like an event. I've always felt the pink game. It's not. It's a game of basketball, but it's bit, it's more. You can and you can feel it with the way the crowd engages with it. Uh, it just always feels like a huge occasion. And we saw what was great for the most recent game you played was that the passion was really back throughout throughout the crowd and they're up and about and it felt like the jungle again. Have you are you really focusing now as a team on trying to make this home court advantage real again rather than what it had been towards the back end of last season where teams had started to feel a bit more comfortable coming here. Well, I think I think you always want to uh, protect home court, and uh, RAC Arena is pretty special special home court advantage. And uh, so, yes, we are um, trying to get that done. But the way we do it is just by playing good basketball and uh, being tough on every possession. So uh, it's not something that we say, "Hey, let's let's uh, get the crowd really loud." It, what we do is just try to play good basketball and, and make it tough for teams to score and. Uh, and we've been a little better that uh, at that over the last couple of weeks. So the last pink game was the final game of last season. Bryce Scott, Bryce Cotton top scored with 28 points. And Michael Frazier, the second, nailed five three-pointers on the way to 22 points. And coincidentally, he's just signed with the Illawarra Hawks. Uh, I'm told you two were really close last season. How happy are, are you to see him getting this opportunity? 
Yeah, he was, he was close with a lot of us. Um, great guy and uh, just really happy for, for him to get another opportunity. I knew he'd end up somewhere. I had no idea it was going to be in the NBL again. Uh, but yeah, just a quick text uh, to him to congratulate him yesterday and uh, didn't, didn't hear much back other than thank you. And uh, I'll see him. Uh, I think it's, I think it might be new year's. We'll see him. Yeah. That's so exactly uh, right. yeah, super excited for him. So in the dealings I had with him last season, he was the nicest, most polite and professional person you could ever meet. He was impossible not to like. Do you think the way he handled the John Brown saga would have made him more employable for other NBL teams because they've seen the character that he brings? Yeah, I think so. I thought he handled that whole situation well. Um, you know, but but basically teams want to um, want to win, so they're bringing in the best player available, so the Hawks saw something they like about him on the court and would have got good reports of, of him as a person as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hope he goes there and, uh, you know, plays plays his best basketball and uh, helps him be competitive. Todd Blanchfield spoke after training today and he said that he reckons the Illawarra's style will really suit him. Would you agree with that? Do you think that the way they play suits his uh, major weapons the most? Well, I think, I think they need um, some toughness and he brings that. Uh, defensively, um, you know, it, they've had guys in and out. Um, so it, it remains to be seen, uh, what their best group is and, and how they'll play when they get everybody in there. They've had so many, uh, so many injuries. So yeah, I think, I think it's uh, there's a role for him for sure in that, in that three spot and he can even play some small ball four. So big week for you. You turned 55 on Sunday. Happy birthday. How did, <laughs> how, how did you celebrate big five, five? Well, it, the reason I don't, I'm not a big, uh, celebrator of birthdays, but, uh, you know, just being around my family was really cool. So, uh, yeah, I, we had training that day and then, uh, then I had the rest of the day with my family. So it was pretty special that way. I find your life quite remarkable. Like people who, who travel for their sport from a career standpoint are always going to be on the road a lot. You went to high school in Santa Ana, California, and college was then about 10K down the road, and then eventually college became 200K down the road when you changed colleges. Since then, you've coached or played in Taiwan, country New South Wales, metropolitan Melbourne, Townsville and far north Queensland, Wollongong, back to California, over to Utah, back to Townsville, back to Melbourne, up to Cairns, and now you're in Perth. Like, have you ever felt settled throughout all of this? Jeez, when you when you put it like that, no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. My kids have—they uh, were all born here in Australia. My wife is American and Australian now. Um, but uh, yeah, we've we have been a lot of different places, and uh, probably in Utah, we we were there for five years at Utah Valley University, and uh, that's kind of the neighborhood my kids remember as the neighborhood they grew up in. So five years, that's, that's about as settled as we've been. But I just always think wherever our, wherever my family is, that's where, that's where my home is. And so I've been really fortunate with Annette and three awesome kids to, uh, you know, to, to be together for most of that time. Now my kids are getting old enough where they're making their own decisions. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure things out as we go. Is it a stressful lifestyle when, when you've got kids who you have to worry about with school and things like that? It's not just about where am I going to find my next job. It's about where are they going to be comfortable living? How, how difficult is it when you're going through constant change? Because that's what sport is. There's no guarantees year by year. What's, what's it like going through yeah. the home life of it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, been super fortunate to, uh, 
to finish school and then get to play basketball for a long time and now coach basketball. Um, but yeah, with the kids and moving school, that's probably the most stressful thing. And, and I would also say with, with Annette moving so many different places and, uh, and kind of having to start a, start a new life, both for herself and, and for the kids. And, and I always slot right in with a, a group of basketball players and coaches, you know? And so that's kind of like a ready milk, ready-made little unit that you get close with pretty quickly so yeah yeah it has been stressful on the kids and two things that uh you know it makes them adjust quickly and so i think they've they've gotten used to that um but the the hard thing is they they don't feel like they have those roots probably that uh that i did growing up where i never moved for my whole life and at least one of them's gone to U.S. college. From an age perspective, the other's doing similar things. I know, as I know, one went back to your old college. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, my daughter Ashton uh, finished up at Westmont College. Kind of, kind of came back during COVID uh, and finished her last few months here online, and is now uh, doing her PhD up in Cairns. Um, so we're we're fortunate to have her back here. wasn't We weren't weren't sure that she was going to come back to Australia. Um, yeah, and then. Uh, Another daughter, Kirsten, is here in Perth with us. Uh, she's going to uni, and uh, and Josh, my youngest, is is looking to go uh, to to play basketball next year at college in the states. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how all that works out. Exciting times for them. It's terrific. Oh, the, the one part of your resume that does make me laugh, though, is that your first professional contract was with the Lucky Cement basketball team in Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell yeah. is Lucky Cement? <laughs> You know what? I, I didn't really have much to do with the business, but uh, yeah, it was a big cement company. Um, when when I was getting out of uh, uni, had a chance to play, um, you know, was looking at a couple different things, but I had come from a very small school and uh, and had always played as kind of a, a four-man and not a, not a perimeter player, and they were looking for bigs in Taiwan, and uh, yeah, Lucky Cement was the uh, was the team, so uh, went out there for for nine months and uh, shoot. After after living in Taipei, um, first time away from home, I felt like I I could live anywhere. I was so homesick that year and didn't speak Chinese that it was a little uh, little difficult at first. But once I got used to it, then I felt like I could uh, adjust to anything. And you certainly did adjust. You come over here and became one of the dominant players of the competition. It's got, just gone 26 years since you were the grand final MVP for the Southeast Melbourne hmm. Magic. Uh, what are your memories when you when you look back on, on on that sort of an occasion? Not just win one, but to be the best player on court. <clears throat> well, I, I had um, you know I was really fortunate. We had a really good team of uh, players. You know, Sam McKinnon, uh, Tony Ronaldson, Billy McCaffrey. Uh, we just we just had a group. Uh, Chris Anstey, John Dorge. It was a great group of players. Darren Lucas, Andrew Parkinson. So, for me to get named MVP, it was really, it was really just because I happened to be guarding Andrew Gaze and uh, and was able to just slow him down a little bit, which was a team a team deal. But uh, for whatever, I think a number of guys could have gotten it, but uh, I was just happy to win the championship and and be a part of that group. And uh, you know. That was the the hardest part is winning the championship. I got to five other championship series, and that was the only one I won. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a great memory, and it's a great uh, thing to have on the resume. But really, just winning the championship is uh, kind of the the biggest point in my NBL career. 
I love how people try to talk their performances down. I just happened to be guarding Andrew Gaze as well as playing really well in a, the other end of the court. Like, that's an extraordinary performance that's to stop him in any game, let alone in the grand final series. You're, you're also an NBL well, coach well, of the year, you aren't know, you? You heard me. I said, I said, slow him down. I never said, <laughs> <laughs> never said stop him. Like, slowing him down is, I hold him to 20 points or 22 points and think I do pretty good. And then he's got like 12 assists and 10 rebounds as well. <laughs> so, uh, that was that was my great job of slowing him down. You're also an NBL Coach of the Year, um, and, and didn't get a lot of opportunities after that, or when it went sour in Cairns. Um, but you, you've led the Boomers in both the Asia Cup and the World Cup qualifiers. You're doing such a great job here. We saw w- the work you did when Scott Morrison couldn't get into the country. Where do you sit with wanting to be a head coach again? Is, is it, do you have the aspirations at 55, or do you see yourself as this being the role that, that suits you most from here? Well. I'm really happy where I am. Uh, I love uh, the Wildcats and and I love Perth, but I still have the itch to uh, to coach uh, as a head coach. I love doing it. Like the opportunity to just be involved with the Boomers is fantastic, and with uh, Brian Gorgian being out of the country some of the time and and unavailable, like very fortunate that he said, "Hey, can you can you step up and just kind of take the reins while I'm away?" Um, so just just being a head coach is uh it's special you know you get to shape the uh the culture and the program of of where you are and um make make decisions so i love that challenge and uh would love to do it again somewhere but um but i but i really do like where i am right now and i love working with john really um working with danny mills working with this group of players it's just uh yeah it's it's a fantastic place to be so to say I want to or need to, it, it's not really like that. I, I really like where I am right now, but if opportunities uh, do come up, then I'm, I definitely would look at them. So what's it like taking over as sort of an interim boomers coach, I suppose you almost describe it as when Brian's not around. Like, you're, mm. not, you're not totally in charge, so you, you're following a lot of what he wants to do, but you're also putting your own imprint on it. How do you balance between the two? <clears throat> well, the great thing was that I got to um, – I got to go to Melbourne when we were uh, the Boomers were playing China and Japan, and Brian was the head coach at that time, and and John really was in that group as well as another assistant. So, um, got to see how Brian wanted things done and how he uh, ran training. So basically, had the template of what he wanted to do and and how style of play, I guess, and and also just introduced me to the culture, just being around the players and. Uh, and that's probably an even even bigger thing than the uh, than the X's and the O's, but um, yeah, that template was set. And then I just tried to continue to establish that template while the players carry on the culture, and I just am a part of that. So uh, yeah, it's it's um, I'm mindful of kind of the key concepts that Gorge wants to continue to have in the program, but uh, but then he'll he'll watch a game. He's like so supportive it's amazing for myself and and the other assistants you know we had jacob chance and uh jamie perlman carrie williams uh brad davidson have all come in and um been fantastic with the boomers as assistant coaches uh we'll run stuff that gorge wants and then if we have a a few different players we we've run different things you know we have keanu pinder in there we're running more lobs thon maker same if we're if we've got shooters in there like Dejan Vasilovich, then we're running things to um, get him open shots and Todd Blanchfield the same. So 
you know, we kind of, we kind of do suit, make it suit our, our players, but the temp, the template is gorgeous. And, uh, you know, he'll watch the games and it'll be like, Oh, I see what you did off that one set. Or I like how you guys are attacking in pick and roll defense. Like he's, he's very, very supportive. Uh, so we put little tweaks on it, but yeah, we stick to, uh, his key concepts. Now, from a, a head coaching perspective, it's ironic that you're over here with, with Perth these days because I reckon that the 2020 final series would be the thing that keeps you up at night. You, you came here, lost game way in overtime where it was so tight, you could have easily snatched that game. Then you dominated game yeah. two, lost game three. I remember Cam Oliver trying to do a reverse dunk at one point when it was a really important part of the game and he, and he rimmed it out and, and suddenly the momentum mm. sort of changed. How do you reflect on that given it's in your face every single time you step foot onto a training session? Well... The, the hard part is every time I start feeling good about myself or say something, then uh, Bryce or Mitch uh, will remind me about that series or I'll be watching film and it'll be on uh, like Perth Wildcats offensive sets. This is how we want to run it. And it, it's from uh, from that year when and Cans Taipans are defending and I'm coaching and we're, uh, we're getting beat by one of the Perth Wildcats plays. So, yeah, I – you know, that was a special time. We had a great group, and that series was amazing. Um, and we played against a, a really good Perth Wildcats team. So kind of funny to be a part of the history of the Perth Wildcats as well as the Cairns Taipans during that year. But, uh, yeah, all I can take is the good memories and, uh, yeah, and, and move on from there. And, uh, you know, I tried, tried to learn from that and um, just be a better coach because there was things that I could have done better. Um and then if, if um, Nick Kay hadn't hit four out of six threes, including that one at the halftime buzzer, then uh, then maybe it would have been a, a different story in the grand final. And if Bryce hadn't scored 42 points, it might have made your life a little bit easier as well. You are the only person in the NBL at the moment to have been a head coach against Bryce Cotton and now be an assistant coach with Bryce Cotton. Take us into inside the contrasting worlds of planning to stop him and planning to help him. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. It's, uh, you know, kind of like I said with Andrew Gaze, um, I never really thought I could stop him, but I thought I could maybe contain him a little bit or slow him down as a player. And I think with with Bryce, you try to do the same thing if you're defending against him. Um, and as, as a coach on his side, um, trying to get him as many easy looks as possible or because he's such a an unselfish player and makes the right play, um, just putting in a, him in a position where you know that he's going to get double teamed and you're going to have someone right there that you want shooting the ball, uh, either at the rim or a wide-open three-point shooter and, uh, and just trying to get him in the right positions to do that and then encourage him to continue to make that right play, which he does all the time. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun getting to know him. Uh, you know, it takes a little time to get to know somebody, and and I I'm getting there with him, and it's just uh, it's just a pleasure to see him every day and the way he attacks and competes every day at practice, as well as the whole world how they see him at, at game days, and he's he's special that way. So, just a joy to be around. Now, is there any danger at all that we're going to be, that you're going to get to coach Bryce Cotton in a green and gold uniform instead of a red and black one? Do you think we're yeah, getting closer? That would be- that would be special. Yeah, I, you know what? I st- I stopped asking. I know they'll tell uh, they'll tell us all when uh, when that does happen. But uh, but it sounds like they've 
been making good progress over the last few months. So uh, we'll see any any day now, I hope. But uh, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm just waiting to be told instead of asking every day. Yeah, it's felt like any day for two years, hasn't it, <laughs> for Wildcats fans? Yeah. Now, sport is a very serious business. Uh, sometimes lighthearted moments do stand out. Though. I've got to say kudos to Alan Williams from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on Thursday night. His team lost, and he fouled out with 80 seconds left on the clock. Then with 19 seconds remaining, the Wildcats dancers did their famous routine where they get right in the face of the visiting team. Williams knew he wasn't going back on the court, and when he realised what was going on behind him, instead of engaging in the timeout, he watched them. And our media bench is right next to the Phoenix bench, so I asked him for a response at the post-game press conference about what he had just seen for the first time with those dancers getting up in everyone's faces, and this is what he said. It was, it was, it was a pretty aggressive like dance battle type thing, obviously in different circumstances. Um, I pride myself on being a pretty good dancer, so if I had my crew with me, I think we would have gave them a ram for their money. Now, Mike, you've been in that position before where all that stuff's going on. It feels like mayhem around you. You're trying to coach a timeout against the Wildcats and the dancers are up in your face. Did you ever notice them or were you too busy just doing what was going on and it, and it wasn't a distraction like it was for him? Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I, I, I'm hearing about this for the first time even now. So, no, I'm uh, pretty uh, – I've got the, the goggles on and, uh, and don't notice or the blinders on, don't notice too much around me. But uh, – I do know there's a, there's always been a guy kind of behind the bench screaming and yelling at guys, and I've heard that guy a few times. Yes, nice and loud, that's for sure, at the Wildcats, which is one of the great parts of, of the game. Well, look, thanks for joining me. Wildcats host Adelaide 36ers at RAC Arena on Thursday night in the annual pink game. It's a huge occasion, so wear something pink, buy something pink, cheer until your face turns pink, just do whatever you can to help with Breast Cancer Care WA. So thank you very much, Mike Kelly, for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate it too, and uh, and I echo those sentiments. Uh, can't wait for Thursday. Now, something really unique is happening at the Perth Lynx this season, and it's been incredibly cool to watch. Vice-Captain Lauren Scherf is transforming herself in front of our eyes from one of the league's best bigs to one of the league's most versatile players. And she's on the line now to discuss this fascinating change to her game. Lauren, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, when we spoke at the start of last season, I talked about how exciting it was for this team to have someone like yourself as an imposing presence under the basket. And you certainly gave the Lynx that last year on, on the way to finishing runner-up in their MVP award. But now, you're not only winning the rebounds, you're taking off and running down the court and dribbling like a point guard. Like, how did this come about? Uh, <laughs> well, um, it's always been there. Um, <laughs> I guess Ryan is just really magnifying my skills, uh, you know, in all aspects, in all areas. So, yeah, so I've always, you know, had the confidence to do it. But I guess being under Ryan, he's given me the extra confidence to be able to go out there and do it. So from a pure statistical point of view, you've played four games, so I'm going to compare your stats right now to after four games last season. So last season you had 36 rebounds after four games. That's risen to 41. So you're having just as big, um, as much, in fact, more of an impact on the boards. But you only had four assists last year, and now you're on 23. So it's clearly working for you. Is it more fun to play this style of game? For me, yes. Um, I, you know me contributing in all aspects not just in the rebounding shooting and you know if I can get my teammates open you know we've got a boatload of shooting you know in Amy Atwell, Chloe Bibby, Sammy, Sharpie, Robbie Ryan you know you can just name everyone on the team because they can shoot Um, 
And if I can do my little bit of, you know, being able to get them open, you know, then I know that I've done my job in the game. So the stereotypical coaching p- thing is to say, okay, you're big, you stand over there and do this and let the little people run around and, ha- and handle the ball. Do you, do you hope that this might open up some people's eyes that you know, if you're a big 14-year-old that you can, you can do something different and don't just pigeonhole them and say you have to do this. Let them develop their skills and be something more. Well, that's exactly right. I made the decision when I was 14 years old. I was just pinpointed as like this huge big, just go under the basket, go rebound, you know, go get some small touches, that kind of thing. And I wanted to build my game, not just from being inside big, and I also wanted to expand. And, you know, so I made that conscious decision to go under a coach who made me play point in juniors. And he was like, right, Loz, we're going to put you in the point. This is what we're going to do. He was like, I don't care if you – make a mistake whatever you do we're going to put you out of your comfort zone and I just think that decision that I made when I was 14 15 years old has really you know made a stamp in my career personally yeah so has Ryan been the first professional coach to actually give you the license to do different things and not be afraid to make a mistake I don't think it's that I think Ryan has been able to put me in a position where he has made my game uh, – he's made to be able to emphasise all aspects of my game. So me dribbling down the court, like, I've just done that on my own. He hasn't told me to do that. He's just – he's like, okay, Loz, like, if that's what – he's literally make, made my game being like, Loz, the, you know, it's – I'm letting you do what you have to do and I want you to go outside the box and if I have to, I will rein it in. But – I want you to test the waters. So he's allowing me to do what I can. And then if he doesn't like it, he'll ring me back in. <laughs> so we're seeing the future happening already from an NBA perspective with Victor, Victor Wembanyama. I always struggle to pronounce that. Now we just call him Victor in the office. Um, likely number one draft pick at 220 centimetres and running around like a point guard and doing crazy stuff. I'm not sure if you've seen any of his vision. Have you, are you, have you seen any of him overseas at the moment? A little bit. So when you see him running around, do you think that this is the future now, that big players are going to be doing big things? <laughs> I mean, I think that the game's just evolving. And, you know, it's not always, you know, going to be the standard, you know, there's a five man in the basket, you know, you've got the point guard and, you know, shooting guards and whatever. I think the game is just evolving. And that's what's making it so exciting is all these different players at whatever heights and whatever skills, like, you know, it's just enabling the game to be that much better. So Ryan was jumping out of his skin during the preseason when I was talking to him. You're not going to believe how Lauren Scherf's going to play this year. She is going to be the next, you know, it's unbelievable sort of stuff. It must be great to have a coach like him <laughs> who just backs you in so much and loves trying stuff and being different and, and letting you be you. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps, you know, with my confidence and, you know, with my game. And I think that, being under Ryan has really taken my game to the next level. And I, you know, I really appreciate what, you know, his basketball mind and, you know, how he goes about things. And I think that just helps me develop in my game personally. And, you know, I enjoy going to trainings and I enjoy, you know, what he has to say and, you know, his, you know, his basketball mindset and, you know, what he's thinking at the time. And I'm always like, you know, like, 
learning from him as well. So I think like me learning from him is also making my game that much, yeah, better. Now you've become a three by three star uh, for Australia as well, and this moment a couple of months ago was massive for your career. Fifteen, thirteen, they've done it. They've come back from ten, six down, nine, three. They went through from where, from there, and Australia may not have got the gold, but they still have won a medal at every Commonwealth Games in women's basketball that it's been played. So bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games. Um, what was that like for your career? um that was probably one of the best experiences of my entire life um yeah the calm games like I have like no words every time I think about it or you know speak about it it's it was just so surreal and to be a part of you know something so iconic and you know that's on the way up with three on three like that was the first ever time three on three was at the com games and i you know to be a part of that and making history like i was just it was something i will forever be grateful for and to be along with those girls that are now playing in the WNBL, and you know every time i see them like we just all have this like sense of like you know of what we had just achieved and you know that feeling will never go away and I commend like the coaches and everyone that was there and yeah I yeah I it just makes me emotional every time like I talk about it because it was just one of the best things that I have done yeah in my career today. So it was very links orientated squad when you look at the, the, yourself and then Lauren Mansfield who's a, who's a former co-captain of the team, Marina Whittle who'd previously played for the team, Alex Wilson hadn't but we'll just imagine that she had because it makes <laughs> it sound better. Um, what, what does what did playing in that sort of environment and that sort of game um, allow you, well, we've talked about your skills, did that enhance some of the skills that we're talking about for this season? Yeah, so I think that 3 on 3 has uh, given me this uh, extra aspect of my skills that I didn't know I could tap into. Um, being under Damon Lowry and Dave Brewer, I think that their knowledge of the game like, is out of this world. And for them to redefine it in a three-on-three aspect, I think it's given people the kind of confidence to go out there and just be, you know what, just go play ball. And if you make a mistake, you make a mistake, that's fine. Don't stress. Like, we're just playing... We're just playing basketball and that's what they make the environment so much fun and it's just, you know, you go into camps and you're like, we're going to work hard but it's going to be fun and we're going to be physical and that's what we love about three on three and I think being a part with those girls and the coaches and all the staff there that were behind the scenes, just making it fun and I think that's what three on three is all about. So we talked about pigeonholing before. Like, there's a danger then you can become pigeonholed as a three as a three on three player when you also want to play for the Opals, because like, you have success and suddenly everyone says that team's important. Where do you sit with your Opals aspirations at the moment? So I thought you were dead stiff not to be part of, uh, not to have more of an opportunity with that that World Cup group. Um, do you know why you're not in the team at the moment? Do you know what you have to work on? And you know, where do you see yourself sitting as part of that that entire in- Opals environment? I still have aspirations uh, with the Opals. I I mean, it's always going to be a goal of mine to go to the Olympics. And I know that, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough, you know, environment 
the Opals is the best of the best. So you're going up against the best of the best and it's going to be hard and it's going to be ruthless. And I know that, you know, you have to put your, you know, you have to put everything aside just so, you know, you can make like the Opals. So I know that like it's going to take a lot of dedication, dedication and effort. And, you know, if you want it badly enough, like you will, you will get there. And, um, I mean, it's not always about like the, you know, the destination. It's about how you get there and everything. So I just think that like, yeah, I still have aspirations for the Opals and, you know, that hasn't gone away. Um, but yeah, but I think that being in the three on three has also, you know, opened up another aspect of my skills that will help with me getting to the Opals as well. We well, certainly hope that becomes a reality for you because you, you've been, as I say, been amazing to watch for, um, for before even before you got to the links, and now that you are at the links, it's um it's it's always fun watching you play. Now there's been a lot of major changes to your team this year, and three of them are are, are really obvious um at the moment. So I want to talk to you about some of these players because some of them you, you know really well, some of them you, uh, you haven't had a lot to do with yet, but are building relationships. But one of them that you've uh, obviously had a relationship with for a while is Chloe Bibby, and she's been superb. Talk to us about about Chloe. Uh, what can I say about Bibbs? Uh, she's a she's a larrikin. Um, no, I love Bibby. We go way back um, playing at Danon, and yeah, before she went off to college, and then we then recently uh, played at Kilsyth together um, before this season. But she's just an all round great human. Um, she, you know, she's the life of the party, or you know, she comes in with a great attitude and, you know, always making everyone laugh and smile and, you know, she, you know, and plus that, like, her work ethic and, you know, what she does and brings on the court, like, I always know that I have, like, 100% trust in her and that she's always going to, you know, bring 110% to every game and, you know, she's just one of those, like, physical gritty humans that, you know, will get down and, you know, do the one percenters. And, you know, I just really – I'm so glad to be playing back with her. Uh, she, she's been superb, um, pro- probably leading the MVP award along with yourself. I reckon you two would be battling for it at the moment after the first four games. Amy Atwell is another ripper, um, WNBA draftee, comes back over here uh, and in her first season at Lynx and has, has had a real impact straight away. How have you found her game? I – I'm so impressed with Ames. I, you know, she is known for her shooting, but I didn't know how well she could shoot. Um, Just, you know, knowing that, like, if I get her the ball, it's going up and it's going in. Like, she's just so consistent and accurate that, you know, it's fun to be able to play with. And she, you know, she's lighthearted, you know, makes things very, like, fun and everything. So I just, you know, being able to play with her, has made it very easy, you know, for everyone around us. And, you know, she's just a great human and, yeah, definitely makes things, yeah, she's just so, yeah, she's a great human. And then there's Robbie Ryan, who had a really tough first game when Melbourne just targeted her as hard as they could to force turnovers, um, knowing that she was on debut. And But she produced the most extraordinary final quarter against the Flames the other day, despite having a suspected fractured eye socket the day before, comes out and just kept putting her body on the line, putting her head where she could have got it whacked, and just dominated that, that, that final period. Like, How have you found her transition from NBL 1 West to the WNBL? Yeah, so she's been really... Um aggressive so I like she's you know a guard that 
you know, she's strong and she's physical and no one can move her. (laughs) Um, But she, you know, when she gets her head down and she gets her head on the rim, like she's unstoppable. And I think that if she continues to bring what she brings to the game, you know, she will make impacts. And like we saw against the Flames, like she was able to make an impact on the floor and, you know, when she's got a mindset of, you know, I'm going to do this, like, yeah, you can't stop her. And I just think that her being in this environment, well, she'll only just get better. So as a team, you're two and two. The league has a break this week, and then you face Melbourne, Southside and Townsville, which is a tough draw. Um, Does it feel like a season-defining block of matches coming up? No. I think that, you know, we're going to take – you know, game by game, like, you know, take it day by day and, you know, just work on what we need to improve on. And I think that if we do the right things within our group, it will just only make us better when we get to those games. And, you know, in this league right now, you know, any, you know, it's anyone's day on anyone's game. So like, we just have to work on what we're doing and concentrate on what we do and, I think that will just, you know, help us get over the line during these games. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You've been terrific to watch throughout this season. You've been terrific to watch throughout last season. You've been, you've been great coming on here multiple times um, as a guest. So really appreciate your time and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Dribble Podcast. Thanks to Mike Kelly from the Wildcats and Lauren Scherf for the links for their time. Remember, you can read all of your basketball news in the West Australian newspaper and keep logging on to thewest.com.au. Thank you to the magnificent Kate Ryan for all of her production work, as always. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Dribble Podcast.